all the way till 6 right here on the Big Talker 1700. Zubin Mahente is our guest from ESPN. Zubin, hello and welcome as always. And how excited now are you that we have college football now in full force? Yeah, I mean, last night was great. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that, you know, that was sort of a middling Big Ten game. If you weren't really interested in Northwest, the game was it. But I think we saw in the first half, Purdue may have itself a new superstar. Um, you know, last year at this time, it was a Big Ten game between Ohio State and Indiana. I still think people are getting used to having these sorts of games in the first week of the season. I think I don't think uh, Northwestern had played a conference foe to the season since Illinois back in 84. I think more people are now, because of the way the game is going, they're more used to seeing things like Florida State and Alabama last year or Washington and Auburn tomorrow or a little cross-sectional inter-conference sort of matchup like we'll see. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a different tact because I think a lot of people just want to ease themselves into conference season. But if you're a college basketball fan, you're going to find yourself in the same dilemma in watching conference games in different than what we expect. I think I like the more traditional matchups like tomorrow between Washington and Auburn, those sort of neutral side games, because it gives you a real gauge as a fan of the SEC or the Pac-12 or the late game, which will be between the ACC and the SEC, Louisville and Alabama, just to sort of gauge to see where your top are relative to other teams. I think it's pretty clear that Louisville is one of the better teams in the ACC if they can find a replacement for Jackson, but where do they really stand nationally? And I think those kind of tests meeting other conferences, high-level teams from other conferences, which is all they want on opening weekend, I think even though it's relatively a new phenomenon and Alabama is proven they can win anywhere, especially an excellent on neutral field, I kind of like those matchups, and then I like to wait until we get into conference play. Maybe I'm different, but I just like the whole idea of test yourself, get yourself ready, and guide and hit league play when you're at your best, and obviously league play for most teams, unless you're an independent, is your most important time of year. So I kind of like what we're going to see this weekend. I'm not a huge fan of what we saw last night, just in terms of matching conference foes in week one. And Iowa's going to be opening up their schedule against Indiana in a few years, and uh, we'll see if that game gets moved to Thursday night or if they'll keep it on Saturday. That's down the road, though, Zubin. Here on the local front, Big Midwest matchup, and you mentioned Auburn going up against Washington. Love that. Two conferences that we don't see get to play a whole lot in two of the better teams in Washington and Auburn. But i got to get your perspective on Notre Dame-Michigan, and a question that has been out there a whole bunch. I remember asking it this summer, who's this more important to, Jim Harbaugh of Michigan or Brian Kelly of Notre Dame? I'm going to go with, I'm going to use our metrics here. Sometimes I like our metrics, sometimes I scratch my head at our metrics, but I'm going to go with Michigan because I think if Notre Dame loses this game and Michigan goes on to have a really good year, I think that Notre Dame could still make the playoff, according to our FPI. I am not as bullish on Notre Dame as our FPI. I just have seen them the last couple of years kind of stumble to the finish. Last year they lost two of their final four games. Um, they have wilted toward the end of seasons, and Brian Kelly has said that. They have to figure out a way to play much more consistently at the end when you can really make a statement. But I think I would choose Michigan because I think even if Notre Dame were to lose this game, 
I think they can make the playoff. Now, obviously, I think if Michigan loses this game, they can make the playoff. This is not going to determine whether they win the Big Ten East or anything else. But I do think in a tiebreaker scenario or from a momentum scenario, it would put them at a disadvantage. Because obviously, just getting through the Big Ten East, which I heard Kirk Street say yesterday on Paul's show, Paul Feinbaum's show, is the toughest division in college football. And I think most people would agree with that. I think a couple of years ago, you could make a real case, Trent, for the SEC West, and I'm not taking anything away from mm-hmm. any division that has Alabama, but Alabama's just distanced itself to such a degree, um, largely speaking, I know Auburn clipped them last year, um, but they've distanced themselves from such a large degree that I'm not really sure what Auburn brings to the table this year. I'm not really sure what LSU brings to the table this year. I do know LSU tends to play them really tight when speaking of Alabama, but I just don't think that could stand up to as great as Alabama's been. I don't think it could stand up to Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. That's just an unreal quartet. And Michigan is going to have to figure out a way to sort of have to navigate that. And I think on any given day that uh, any of those four teams I mentioned is possibly better than Notre Dame. Now, I think Notre Dame could possibly be better than Michigan State. I'm not sure if they're better than Penn State. Um, but I definitely think if they were to lose to Notre Dame, you could reasonably make a case here, Trent, that they would be in trouble against all of those other three teams in the East. And obviously, if you're in trouble against those three and you lose to Notre Dame, I think you got a problem. I don't think Harbaugh's on the hot seat. I, I just generally do believe the program is functioning at an extremely high level relative to Hoke. It's much like Tom Herman. He's 7-6 and six and people are upset. But undoubtedly, at 7-6, and six, they were far more competitive than they were with Charlie Strong. The record doesn't indicate it in year one, and at the end of the day, it's all about wins and losses. But if you look at the way Texas played last year with two quarterbacks versus the way they played with um, Gerard Hurd and Tyrone Swoops and whoever else Strong was trying to put in there, yeah, the records are similar, but it definitely stands to, to reason that Texas was playing a lot better. And I definitely believe Michigan's uptick has been much greater than in Hoke's year. And I don't want to bring this up, but it, it just stands to reason. If that Ohio State call goes the other way, I mean, Michigan, this is a completely – different story now obviously that's an inch here it's an inch there you can't change calls but if that call had just went the other way which it reasonably i think many people assumed it could have gone the other way michigan's paradigm and michigan's story and harbaugh's story is gigantically different from what we're talking about now but that's either here nor there because they didn't pick it up but i definitely believe this is a bigger game for michigan um, Zub Mahente is our guest ESPN here on 1700, Jimmy B and TC. L- the thing that I want to throw at you is that already, Zubin, and, and guys on your TV network have done it as well, and that's what we do, they are already trying to pick their so-called Final Four, and once again, several people not only have the Big 12 left out, they have the Pac-12 left out as well. Uh, where are you on, on, on this right now? And is that going to become a problem that maybe you're going to get two Power Five conferences continuously being left out? Well, I mean, I think the biggest issue is to go back to our earlier question. If Notre Dame happens to somehow make it in, then I think mm-hmm. everything gets thrown into a tizzy again. Because then you're obviously looking at a situation where you could potentially have even more Power Five leagues left out, and then you never know how it shakes out. So that's the biggest wild card out there. If Notre Dame were to get in, which obviously they haven't been in any of the four playoffs uh, years, then you're obviously looking at an even more strange scenario. But consider this, Jimmy. I mean, you know, think about this. Two of the four years, the Pac-12 has been out, right? So just on the surface, 
Oregon made the first one, Washington's made it, but in 50% of the college football playoffs, now we're not talking a gigantic sample size, we're talking four, right? I mean, the Pac-12 just hasn't been there. And so you're looking at a situation where right now their most glamorous program, USC, is going to be throwing a true freshman quarterback out there on Saturday. Now, they did that with Matt Barkley, and I think Matt Barkley acquitted himself quite well. Oregon is on the way back with a first-year full head coach in Mario Cristobal, and a guy who I might think is the most important quarterback to any team. If you take Browning off of Washington or Tua or Hurts off of Alabama or Lawrence or uh, Brian off Clemson or Fields or Fromm off Georgia or, you know, Starkle off Mississippi State, I mean, I think you honestly, if you take Justin Herbert off of Oregon, then mm-hmm. that might be showing his true value. The way they fell apart last year when he got hurt, but if SC's down with a true freshman, and who knows, maybe they're up. Maybe this kid is beyond his years. He didn't graduate from high school in three years and won USC's quarterback competition. That's got to say something about the kid. But if Oregon's down, Stanford has got to watch itself. they got a tough game tonight. They better be real careful. Um, you can really look at the Pac-12 and say, who really scares you? If Washington loses tomorrow, again, it doesn't put them out of the Pac-12 race because it's a non-league game. But I think people would start to sour on the Pac-12 on September 1st. Right, it's hardly a way for Larry Scott to to get you know gather everybody around and say our our favorite just lost on September first. So that's a tough spot for the Pac-12. For the Big 12, it's just one of those situations where it's simply going to be Oklahoma, Texas, and who else? And right now, I don't even think you put Texas in that group. So it's basically Oklahoma and who else? So I don't on the surface think it's a bad thing, Jim, because it's one league that hasn't performed at playoff time. Whose bat, whose big time programs are struggling in the in the Pac-12 until further notice, or there's skepticism. And in the Big 12, you're in a situation where you've got one surefire bet, but then again, you're losing maybe one the most electric player in the country the last two years, the most efficient passer we've seen since metrics came about in Baker Mayfield. You've got that mm-hmm. school, and then you've got ten others who you're not really sure about. I mean, Oklahoma State was up there, but they're replacing Mason Rudolph. What is Iowa State going to be? I still think they need a little bit of time. What's Texas going to be? They still got to be better than seven and six, as we indicated before when we just talked about records. So I don't think it's any any fault of our analysts, to be honest with you, to be less than bullish on those two leagues because if you look at them straight up, uh, the Big Ten easily outdistances them. Uh, Clemson, who's been to three of the four playoffs, outdistances them for the ACC, and I think the SEC's reputation stands by itself. Zubin joining us here, Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, well put. You know, uh, I, I saw an article at ESPN.com yesterday, and it mentioned 12 teams. There are only 12 teams that win, could win the college football playoff. Is that a bad thing, and, and do you agree with that number? I think that number is actually a little high. I'm more yeah, like, yeah. I look at it like college basketball, Trent. Like, I mean, I know you love college basketball, you too, mm-hmm. Jim. There's 68 teams, and there's probably... Seven, that could win it, right? I mean, it's one of those sorts of things. I mean, here at least you're saying 12 for four spots. I think if you look at basketball, you could say 68 and have it far lower than 12. If we pick, you know, a dozen teams, we could feel pretty safe right now that one of those 12 is going to win the championship. If we pick Villanova, Duke, Virginia, you know, we, if we kind of just parsed it out the right way, we could probably come up with who we think will win. So I don't, that number seems small because there's 130 FBS teams and all that sort of stuff. But we full well know you got to take everybody that's out of the Power Five out of this, right? I mean, last night I'm watching UCF and UConn. I mean, call me a glutton for punishment, but like I'm watching that last night and I'm just like, 
it's unbelievable UConn ever made a BCS poll, right, watching that, you know? So I think you've got to take all that out, and you just take a look at your Power 5 team. But the reality of the situation is Alabama's been to all four. Um, Clemson's been to three of the four. Ohio State's been to two of the four. Um, Now, it does help that, you know, in two of the years, the the first year with Ohio State and the most recent year with Alabama, the fourth seed has won it. But I go back to something Chris Fowler said yesterday on Paul Feinbaum's show, and I agree with it. He just said it would be so great for the sport if somebody were to just barge in there because there's been a lot of debate, like with another Alabama-Clemson championship game, would that be good or bad for the sport? And we kind of see this all the time in other sports. Is it too bad? Is it too much to have the Warriors and the Cavs. Like, I don't think that's bad. Obviously, with LeBron gone, it's a different story. But I think you see that in every sport where people sort of get a little bit of fatigue. And I think we're starting to see that with Alabama and Clemson. Now, if they were to be in the title game, it's the title game, and it doesn't matter. But I think we saw last year when they met in the semifinal, especially coming off the double OT game before it, it wasn't exactly the world's most exciting game. So I would say I agree with Chris. Another team that could just barge in there and really make some noise I think would probably be a little more exciting than having one of those 12 teams, even though they're all quote-unquote brand names and they've all established themselves as casual fans to avid fans like you, me, Jim, and your audience. I just think some fresh blood in this sport would be great, Mm -hmm. not because it would be fresh blood, but it's because the sport is just so dominated right now at the very, very top from the recruiting rankings to the opening week games to the exposure to the Heisman candidates to whoever hoists that crystal trophy, it is so concentrated with a small number of teams right now that I just think anybody barging in, whether it would be Iowa a couple of years ago, whether it would have been UCF, whether it could have been Houston had they been able to ride the wave of the momentum off that FSU win, anybody, Power 5, non-Power 5, just some new blood, I definitely think wouldn't shake up the ratings. I think the ratings have always been shown that it's the blue bloods in any sport. Yankees, Red Sox is what people want. In the uh, ALCS, no matter what Fox tells you about the Astros and the great story that the Oakland days are, they want the Yankees and the Red Sox, period, end of story. <laughs> and I think we want those brand names. But to just get the blood flowing for all of us that watch it Saturday and follow it on all Saturdays where games aren't being played, like recruiting and spring ball, I think you've got to have some sort of interloper. But, you know, I'll tell you, Trent, it's just the theory of how tightly the sport is wound that we can't even get one of those in there. Remember, we're not in an age where this is the BCS where we're just trying to get the best two. I'm not saying this is a gigantically wide open field trend, but we have doubled it. We've doubled it from two to four, which is twice as many as we always used to have in the BCS, and we still can't get an interloper in there. If we could just yep. get that one team in there, it would help so much. I'm with you on that, Zubin. Uh, you referenced Ohio State. Quickly to Urban Meyer. Sending out a another statement today, again trying to defend himself, and uh, it it it's a statement that is jaw dropping, and 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 why why are people so interested in in what went on? Do you have an answer for this? Can't they like put a gag order on him and the school? What I'm more worried about, Jim, I saw that he. He really wants to let you know he didn't lie at Big Ten Media Day, Tom. I mean, that is like, yeah. I don't know what the deal with that one is. Like, he just he can't let that one go. That had nothing to do, really, with his suspension. It's a bad look. It's a bad credibility thing. When you sit up there and say one of the pillars of your program is honesty, and then you say that, and then you rail on McMurphy, and then you try to wiggle your way out of it, and then 
oddly, in some cases, the committee that was formed in the investigation semi-agreed with him, actually, which is, I think, part of the reason he continues to put that line out there. But I think common sense tends to dictate it might be different. I'm more concerned, Jim, with when he returns, um, he is going to have to have, I'm not saying it's going to be a formal press conference because they're not going to do that. He is going to have to address some of the things that have been out there and that were obviously put forth after their press conference, but before the public records request and the entire transcript of the investigation was released. And I'm more concerned with the way he's answering things right now with these sort of defunct, you put them, that when it's time for him to stand up and say, okay, Urban, um, are you concerned that this uh, use of medication could affect you late in the fourth quarter because you might not be able to remember something that happened in the first quarter? Now, this is if people believe that this medication story is true. Or um, what do you make of the fact that your wife doesn't believe some of what Shelly Meyer uh, said? What do you believe that Shelly Meyer doesn't believe some of what Courtney Smith said? These are questions that are going to have to be answered. Now, they can go out there and they can say football questions only, football questions only. You can say that as much as you want. But I distinctly remember, guys, after Michigan State played a game in basketball this year in Maryland, Tom Izzo walked into that press conference. The first thing he got was Artisha Thompson, who's one of the best investigative reporters anywhere, asking him about what was going on with his basketball program and some of the allegations. They had just played a game in the Big Ten, and it was not basketball questions only. So I think I'm just a little concerned with the way he continues to rebut because he's going to have to face the music one more time, maybe not in the setting he had the other guys with Michael Drake there, Michael V. Drake and Gene Smith. He's going to have to address this in some form or fashion, and I think right now he needs to either be able to change his tune or tone or he needs to figure out a better way to answer some of these questions rather than just sort of giving these obscure, vague responses that he has. That's what I'm more concerned about, Jim. I'm not concerned that he gave these answers, per se, on Twitter, where anybody can just you know, retweet him or ask him a question and he doesn't have to respond. But there is going to have to be a, a face-to-face with reporters at some point. And right now, I think he's proven from that press conference on, from the tweets today on, that I don't think he is prepared to handle that in a regular, stated fashion. I just think he still is not maybe cognizant of what's at stake here. And it's going to have, he's going to have to face the music one more time. And in that regard, I think what we've seen to this point has proven that that next time might be as ugly as the first time. Zubin Mahente with us, ESPN. Zubin, enjoy it. So what's the game plan for the weekend? Where are we going to see on ESPN? We'll be all over the place this weekend. It was uh, yet to be determined. Uh, we'll be doing the 1 a.m. tonight. So okay. <laughs> once I go home and wake up, we'll figure out what's going on tomorrow <laughs> and through the weekend. And then I'll be doing a lot more NFL because by this time next week when we talk, yeah. if we happen to talk on a Friday, we'll have one NFL game under our belts. And then it'll be NFL on Sunday, college on Saturday. Our lives can't get much better than that, right? <laughs> I hear you. It's a good time to be alive and talk in sports. Zubin Mahente. Enjoy it, Zubin. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, guys. Good stuff out of Zubin. As always, Jimmy B., you ready for this? I mean, are you really ready for this weekend? Are you going to try to get a golf game in? I know, Jimmy B., you try to sneak out and do some things, or is it just going to yeah, be all football for you? Well, it'll be all football. I'd like to get something in, but, uh, you know, it's going to be dictated by the weather. We all know that. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, I, you know, one thing you hate, when you just crush a drive and then it doesn't get any roll, it just plugs, 
And you know me, when I crush it 125 <laughs> yards, I need that 50-yard extra roll. So from that standpoint, I don't know, Trent. It's uh, I, Look, I'm going to be dialed into the games. Um, this, is, this is such a great weekend. And I can't wait. I really can't. And look, I know we got picks and everything that we're going to do. And I've got some thoughts on that as well since I was dominant last year. But this is going to be, this is going to be tough on your boy here. It really is. I, I got to make some decisions. Well, decisions to be made. We got a lot more to come here on Jimmy B and TC. We take you up until 6 o'clock. Then high school football will take the airwaves tonight. 6.30 with the pregame show. We'll hear from Tom Wilson, head coach from Dowling Catholic, and Gary Swenson, the head man for the Valley Tigers. That comes your way at 6.30. Kickoff at 7 o'clock. A rivalry renewed. West Des Moines Valley, Dowling Catholic. We'll have the call here on 1700. Back with more in a moment. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, man, this is one of our favorite segments the entire time of college and NFL football. Uh, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, you've been listening to him on our show since Trent and I have been doing this. We have a great time with Lee, and guess what? Uh, we sent him a check in the mail. He never got it, but he was still nice enough to come back on our show. How are you, Lee? I'm doing great. Um... I'm ready to go. It's going to be a fun season. So, uh, looks like get some, some pretty good games and teams in state. So, uh, should be a lot of fun. All right. Let's start firstly. We won't waste any time. Uh, Texas minus 13 and Maryland. Where are you on this? Well, you know, Texas, uh, they have revenge here in this game and, and that's one angle. I think they made the right decision by, uh, by, you know, not going with Bouchelle. And going with Erlinger, when you go with Erlinger as your starter, he gives you that fire and the intangibles. And if you fall behind in a game, you can bring in uh, Bouchelle. He's the better pure passer. Um, it's a few concerns. Uh, they're a little thin at linebacker, a new punter. But um, Maryland's defense is awful. They've given up more than 36 points a game to all the teams last year that had top 50 offenses. And Texas this year, I think their offense is going to be pretty darn good and we know the situation, what's going on with the uh, Maryland coaching staff. Uh, I, I like Texas here by two touchdowns. I think they cover 38-24. Going on the road, kind of, not at Maryland's home stadium, but playing in Landover at uh, the Redskins Stadium. Interesting there, going in that direction after what we saw a year ago. Well, uh, this matchup isn't one that we saw a year ago. Sticking with uh, a rival of Texas, and that's Oklahoma against FAU. Florida Atlantic. Initially, I'm sure when this game was scheduled, Oklahoma didn't anticipate that Lane Kiffin would be the coach and he'd have Singletary at the running back position and a pretty good squad, at least offensively there. The number is big, as you'd anticipate, but this is now a team at the very least with a little bit of fight. 20 and a half is the number, Lee. What do you got with Sooners and the Owls? I think that the Oklahoma offense is going to score a lot. I, I do think what you might see is you might see them Break in Kyler Murray slowly, you know, run the ball first, use some play action, throw some short passes. Running game really good with Rodney Anderson and Trey Sermon, uh, top-tier offensive line. But I'm, I'm not sold on their defense. Their defense betrayed them in that semifinal game last year, uh, missing some key guys on the edges in the front seven on defense. Uh, I'm talking about outside linebackers, defensive ends, some inexperience there, and both safeties are new, and so... Uh, I think what you're going to see is you're, you might see that FAU uh, 
uh, offense. They might do some little, you know, might, might show some things and suck in those safeties. And if they suck them in, you know, they might hit on some big plays. So uh, don't discount this FAU team. This is a quality team. Uh, they had a bunch of transfers come in on the offensive line. One kid from, from Florida came in. They have a former Oklahoma quarterback in Chris Robeson. Uh, he and I think also DeAndre Johnson will split time here, or at least both will play. Um, they can score on anyone. In fact, listen what they did the last couple games. Uh, they went 48, 52, 31, 41, and 50 points in their bowl game here. Oklahoma's going to win 42, 24, but, um, FAU covers. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the next one, and I always go back to when Appalachian State upset Michigan. This is a big number, minus 23 for Penn State, but there's not an upset ready to happen here. Is there, Lee? I don't think so. You know, if, if they had their former quarterback line, if he was coming back, I, I could maybe see it, or, or they, they cover in this game, but you know, the problem is he was a four-year starter, and you're going to ask a guy to go out in his first game to play against his Penn State defense and, and do well. I think it's going to be tough. Um, they're, they're going to run the ball, I think, a lot with Jalen Moore, give him the ball 20 to 25 times. They might have to return a punt or a kickoff or get an interception return if they want to stay between the number here. Trace McSorley returns. A lot of other guys graduated, but... Uh, uh, they they have talent. Last two years, they've been recruiting top ten recruiting classes. Some of them top five the last couple of years. So, uh, also fourteen to nine against the spread as a home favorite is as is James Franklin. I'm going to lay the twenty three. I like Penn State thirty five ten. Well, one of their rivals, Penn State's in the Big Ten, is going on the road to Notre Dame Stadium. The game of the weekend for me, Lee. The Wolverines make their way down to take on the Fighting Irish. This point spread's been bouncing around a whole lot. And, and be- before you get to the pick, in a game like this where the line is so tight, do you read anything in when it goes from one side favored by a point to the other side and then it hangs at pick them for a while? Do you read into that? Or with a line this tight, is that something you don't take a deep dive? I, I was just interested in that. Well, you know, it, it is interesting. And uh, what, what I'm going to do this year, we haven't done in years past because it wasn't available. It started late middle of the season last year. These offshore sports books, and, I, and I'm pretty close with two of the guys that run the biggest offshore and four of the five biggest in Vegas, they're letting me know and letting the public know now when they get these six-figure bets. And mm. in this game, um, last night at about 5.30 your time, they got two wagers, two separate groups. One, they don't feel it's very good, uh, <laughs> and one, uh, they'll take their action. They, they win some, they lose some. They got two six-figure bets on Notre Dame. So the line wow. went from... Michigan being a one-and-a-half-point favorite to Notre Dame being a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So uh, there is some money here on Notre Dame. I-, I think that they're on the wrong side here. Uh, when I look at Michigan, I think that last year Jim Harbaugh just realized going into the year they were the fourth least experienced team in the country. This was not going to be their year. Uh, it was going to be now. And-, and this year they returned eight starters on offense. You add in Shea Patterson. So, that makes it from a weakness to a strength. And uh, also on top of that, their defense. you got to stop the run if you want to beat Notre Dame. They allow just 3.5 yards per carry. And then in the era where you know every, every team is putting up 250, 350, 450 yards per game, it seems like throwing the football, um, Michigan's defense allows just 150 passing yards a game. 
So I'm not buying the Brandon Wimbush as quarterback is going to take him to the promised land. Also, they lost uh, uh, their star defensive coordinator, Elko. He moved on uh, to Texas A&M, and they just don't have much of a pass rush. Only 24 sacks on the year last year. So I'm taking Michigan here 24-20. All right, then let's go to the Scott Frost-led Nebraska Cornhuskers. Now, Scott Frost isn't playing quarterback anymore. He's going to be on the sidelines. Twenty-three and a half Cornhuskers against Akron. Are, are you sold on that, or is it kind of still a wait and see what Nebraska is going to look like under Scott Frost? Well, I, I think they're going to eventually be a really good team. He's a great coach, and he knows what it takes to win and turn around a program. Uh, the problem here is he did make the right decision at quarterback for Martinez. He's the right guy. Um but loses the backup quarterback, so if anything happens to him, they're in trouble. And their defense, they just don't have a lot of good players on defense right now, so it's going to take probably two recruiting classes uh, to have a team in two years from now that can maybe contend for their, uh, a title there, at least win their side of the division. So uh, Akron a little underrated. Uh, they return nine starters on defense. They also get a transfer from Rutgers in quarterback Darian Daly. He started 13 games in 2016. Uh, their quarterback, Cato Nelson, I'm familiar with him here. He's from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I'm actually twice in high school. A good athlete, decent passer, and can move the chains. A lot of times on third and six, if he doesn't see anything, he's not going to run for 30 or 40 yards, but uh, he can run for a first down here. They were ravaged by injuries last year. They were down to the fourth-string uh, tailback in the bowl game. Um, they have a lot of kids. They recruit from Florida, Ohio, and California. So I think Nebraska will win the game 38-17, but... I'm not laying now like 25, 26 points. I'll take Akron uh, plus the points here. Makes a lot of sense. I get you on the zips on that one. You mentioned that defense coming back against a freshman quarterback. Let's go here to our fine state where the Iowa Hawkeyes welcome in northern Illinois. Hawks favored by 9.5 against the Huskies. Northern Illinois came in five years ago and won at Kinnick Stadium. What do you see in this one tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, and they won at Nebraska last year. So this is a team that's not afraid uh, to go into, you know, and into a, a big venue and, and come out against a power team and beat them or play with them. Uh, Iowa, you know, we know is missing a couple starting offensive linemen because of the suspension. Defensive line is also a little bit depleted. Uh, I think Stanley's good, but I hear all the talk about him. I mean, you guys are in that state. What are they saying? Like second, third round, they're projecting to be picked next year? Is that what you're hearing? Well, two guys, in fact, uh, came out in the past week and have him as a first-round talent, including Todd McShay of ESPN. Yeah, there's the buzz is uh, picking up, no doubt. I don't get it. I mean, I think he's good. I think he's a fourth or fifth rounder, potential-wise, in my opinion. That's just me as a former quarterback studying him. So that doesn't mean he's not good. Just I don't think he's elite here. Uh, Northern Illinois... Last year, the number 116th most experienced team. Now they move up to 34 on that chart. Uh, they also added a top-flight kicker from Cincinnati as a grad transfer. Uh, decimated last year with injuries. They, in fact, played three different quarterbacks during the year. But Rod Carey, their head coach, 10-3 and as a road dog. I'm taking Iowa here to win the game 26-20, but Northern Illinois covers. Wow, okay, good enough. All right, let's go to your game of the week, which features Michigan State and Utah State. Okay, yeah, um, game of the week here. Uh, I think this game's going to be 
a really interesting game. You want to find out if Michigan State blows out Utah State, or can Utah State, can they maybe hang hang tight here? You want to get Michigan State, Utah State, we'll give it to you for free. Just call this number, 800-400-9741. Started off uh, the weekend with a winner with Tulane last night, plus the points, plus seven. They cover in overtime, uh, 25 winning seasons. So if you want to get involved, uh, how about get the entire season We'll give you a coupon code, SAVE1200, SAVE1200. Save $1,200 on the price, just $1,297 for the entire season from now through the Super Bowl. You're going to get 10 to 13 games a week, or you want to try us out for the weekend, uh, we have a, a Labor Day sampler pack, nine games, just $97. It's all available ParamountSports.com. Awesome, Lee. Looking forward to it. Going to be great getting football back fully in swing and so happy to have you back aboard with us. Thank you, Lee. Okay, thanks, guys. That's Lee Sterling. Find him on Twitter at Paramount Sports and get hooked up with those picks for the weekend. Speaking of picks, Jim and I will do our part next. Our picks coming up around the corner with you until 6 o'clock tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back as we take you up until 6 o'clock. Time to get into our picks each and every week. We pick Iowa, Iowa State against the point spread. And uh, a couple of other games, NFL, college, whatever it turns out. Now, of course, no mm-hmm. NFL to worry about here, Jimmy B. So I gave you the five-pack of games. You won the contest a year ago. You were off to an absolute incredible start. I mean, by the time we got through October, you are over 60%. You came back a little bit, but still well enough to make the people some money. How did you do it a year ago, Jimmy B? What, what was the key to your success in 2017? Well, you know, as I always say, sometimes it's good to be me. Um, but to be honest with you, I have this new dog, and I ask him the questions, and he is Fido the football picker. Oh. And I would, yes, Fido the football picker, and I would ask him what he thought and bark once for one team, bark mm-hmm. twice for the other. That's how I did so well. So the trick was was dogs, Jimmy B. That's it. They, a dog yeah, helped. Yeah, Fido. Fido. Football Fido. Fido. He was the guy. Yes. That's how yeah. it was done. Well, maybe I'll have to get myself a dog. Ella would be excited about that. <laughs> yeah, she'd probably like that. Get a, get a big dog so that she can ride it around or, like, pull her in the wagon. Oh, no. You know, you no. want to do that. Not, not one of those little dust mop things that all they do is just yap and pee. You don't want one of those. So I was looking at her numbers from last year, Jimmy B, as you nip me at the end. You went 54-44-3. I was 53-45-3. So you got me at the end last year. We both did well. And the other yeah. part, it, we are not just picking games that we like. We kind of take the big games of the weekend, local games mm-hmm. involved here. So I thought we did pretty well. Let's see if we can do even better this season. Are you ready to do it, old man? Give your picks out. Make some people some money. All right. Let's begin then with the big clash, and I hope it's not a mud game or at least a rain game in Iowa City. Northern Illinois plus 10. Didn't they start out, Trent, correct me if I'm wrong, please. Didn't they start out like 13 and a half or 14, someplace in there? That was also in May. So week yes, one lines yeah. you have to kind of take with a grain of salt. A lot more okay. flexibility okay. with that one. I wouldn't read too much into that. But, no, you're correct. When they came out back in May, Iowa opened uh, 13, 13.5-point favorite at some places. 
Okay, all right, fair enough. So, all right, so I, I have sworn off then what you just said, that you really can't uh, go by that, because now we're down to nut-cutting time. So, look, I, I like Iowa in this game, even with the guys that are going to sit out. Um, I think Northern Illinois is pretty good, but they don't have Jordan Lynch at quarterback, mm-hmm. and I think that makes a, a big, big difference. I think Northern Illinois plays with them in the first half and, and keeps the game uh, very interesting, but I think Iowa finds a way to win maybe by 12, 13 points, and so I have Iowa covering the 10. All right, we agree on this one. In fact, though we're uh, not doing totals here, my favorite bet of the Iowa-Northern Illinois game is the under. You mentioned field conditions. I don't like a whole lot of the offense that NIU has. I just don't see them scored enough, and I think Iowa finds a way to get it done. Low-scoring ugly, though, maybe my favorite mm-hmm. bet of that one. Let's go to Ames next as we head north. It'll be a night kickoff at Jack Trice Stadium. Weather also an issue up there, and we'll see how that turns out. With South Dakota State coming to town, the Jackrabbits can score not a real physical team by any means. Six suspensions over the last couple of weeks. Only one of them, a guy that was expected to start for the Cyclones. Jimmy B, I got Iowa State here. The number is 14. I like the Cyclones laying that. I, I just see them running away. And when I heard the, the physical comment about South Dakota State, more of a finesse kind of team, I didn't think that worked very well with the front seven that Iowa State has. I'm with you 100%, and uh, I don't think the weather conditions, because if it is sloppy on the uh, track at Jack Trice, uh, they will run the ball with David Montgomery. And I don't think South Dakota State can slow down Iowa State at all. And I'm with you. I'll uh, give the 14, and I will take Iowa State. Um, depending on weather, I-, I can see this one easily 38-14, something like that. So we agree on our first two picks. Let's go to NBC tomorrow night. Michigan making their way to South Bend to take on the Irish. The game has bounced around a little bit. We're just going to call it a pick I've seen Notre Dame in some spots still favored by one. I've seen Michigan favored by a point, point and a half. We're going to keep mm-hmm. this easy. We'll just call it a pick regardless of what the spread is currently as we talk right now. And I'm going with the Wolverines. Uh, I... I believe in the defense. I don't believe that much in Shea Patterson, but I'd rather have Shea Patterson over Brandon Winbush. I'm going to take Michigan and the fight in Harbaugh's to get it done on the road. Give me Michigan. All right. I, I like Michigan as well because of that defense. And I'm not sold yet on Notre Dame. And I just think we heard Zubin Mahente say, hey, look, they could lose this game, and they could still then have a chance to uh, make the dance. I'm not buying it. I I just don't think the Fighting Irish are all that and a bag of nuts. So I am going to also take the Fighting Harbaugh's and the Michigan Wolverines. I think it's a real rock'em sock'em type game, but I think Michigan finds a way to pull away and and win this at the in the end. Let's go to Georgia next. A quote unquote neutral site game, though it'll be anything but. <laughs> That's laughable. As uh, you know, you know that neutral site game, that easy flight from Seattle to to Atlanta. You know how Jimmy, how that is, Jimmy B. Yeah, absolutely. I made ridiculous. that flight. I've made that flight. I'm sure you have. Well, this one, Washington, certainly the favorites in the Pac-12 this year. Auburn. Lost a lot along the offensive line. And, and I believe that's where this game is going to be won. If the offensive line can't protect Stidham of Auburn, 
Washington wins this game. I believe mm-hmm. enough, though, in Auburn to be able to find a way and Gus Melzahn. One-on-one matchup, yeah, you take Chris Peterson over Gus Melzahn. But in an individual spot like this, I think they can do enough to scheme and slow down the pass rush of Washington. Auburn finds a way. They win it. I'll lay the two and a half, and I'll take the Tigers in this one. Here's the thing that's being overlooked in this, is take a look at Auburn's defense. I mean, they are just really healthy in that front seven. I mean, they got uh, NFL dudes all through there. And I I always, I thought the Huskies could walk in and, and win this game. I really did. I'm starting to lean Auburn's way just because of the conversation about their defense. Washington has a terrific college quarterback. I, I don't think Jake is going to be a a NFL guy, mm-hmm. but Jake Browning is a very good college QB. Washington has a stud running back as well, and their wide receivers are pretty decent. So the question will be, can Washington do enough offensively against that Auburn front seven and keep them off balance? Trent? I love you like a brother, but I'm going to take the Huskies Mm. and two and a half. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with the West Coast Dogs, the Washington Huskies, and and see if it happens. I know they got to fly 4,500 miles. I know it's an hour and a half drive where Auburn is to Atlanta, and there'll probably be six Husky fans in the stands, and that's it. But for some reason, I, with everything that I, that I have talked with all the people that I've spoken to, a lot of people like Washington to pull this as an upset. And some people will tell you if they win, it's not really an upset. So I'm going to take the Huskies, uh, over Auburn. Can't disagree with what you said there a whole lot for the first time. We're on opposite sides. Let's finish up Sunday. LSU Miami. What do you got for us, Jimmy B? Tigers and the Hurricanes. I'm struggling with this. I really am. I think LSU, Trent, is going to be better than what people think. Uh, I think they got a decent quarterback. Uh, they named the kid that transferred from Ohio State, mm-hmm. and he's a pretty good thrower. And But Miami's got talent. I mean, talent at almost every position. This one is extremely difficult. It really is. But for some reason, don't ask me why. I am deed. I'm going to take Miami. And I, I just think Mark Rick's got it going on all of a sudden in the ACC. There's more than just Clemson. It used to be Florida State. But I just think Miami, I think they are finally back to being right there for the top spot in the ACC. So I'm going to take the Hurricanes over the LSU Tigers. Don't like Miami that much coming into the year, but I dislike LSU anymore. I think this is it. Dead man walking. Coach O is going to be showing the door after this season wraps up, maybe even beforehand. They got dudes. They always do, but I just don't think they have a coach to go along with it. I'm with you. I'm taking Miami here. I'll lay the three and a half. I think this game's going to be hideous. It's the only thing we'll have on on Sunday night, and it'll be disappointing. But, hey, it's football, and we will be watching. So, Four agreements, only one uh, disagreement this week. We both have Mm -hmm. Iowa, Iowa State, Michigan, and Miami. Jimmy B. took the Huskies of Washington. I got Auburn 
and our picks this week, Jimmy B. And away we go. Football, football, football. And we'll be back on a Tuesday after Labor Day weekend. Can't wait, partner. Look, it's going to be great to discuss. And then we get ready for the big Cyhawk week, which is always, as you well know, my favorite week in college football in the state of Iowa. And we will get to that next week. Hopeful both Iowa and Iowa State come into it 1-0. Yep. Hate to see both these, uh, either of these teams limping in with the loss going into that second one. Certainly would change things. Another quick note here is we got you and I football coming up over the weekend. They got a big road trip themselves. They're heading out to Montana, a place that throughout, well, the last 20, 30 years has been an absolute house of horrors for the Panthers when they made their way out there. But a big spot to get a victory against a top 25 team, a winnable game. Mm-hmm. And, and we haven't talked much, Panthers, but you, know, you and I returned 16 starters from a year ago. Yeah. They got a lot of players here. They could get off to a real nice start, and having that kind of road victory in the non-conference already there maybe can push them back to heights where they're fighting to get one of those top four seeds, getting a bye in the first round of the NCAA playoffs. Certainly like to see that. A big one for you and I this weekend, Jim. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'd love to see uh, the Panthers come up with a victory against the Montana Grizzlies, but you are right. It is a very, very tough place to play. Here's the good news is that they are playing in early September, so the weather is going to be nice instead of playing, say, in November where it could be minus 5 and 8 feet of snow in beautiful Missoula, Montana. So from that standpoint, uh, they caught a break. And this will be fun. It'll be fun to see how you and I handles uh, the Montana uh, Grizzlies in this matchup this weekend. Going to be a great weekend of football. Looking forward to it, folks. We'll be off three-day weekend with Labor Day. We'll be back here on Tuesday. Jimmy B loves that after he he worked three days this week. Now he gets a three-day weekend on top of it. Jeez, Brenton, you 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 have it made. It's good to be me, man. (laughs) <laughs> we will be back on Tuesday starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller, the Jimmy B and TC on your drive home. Enjoy your weekend in sports and everything else going on. We got high school football right around the corner, 630 with the pregame. Dowling Catholic in West Des Moines Valley. We'll talk to you then here on 1700.